Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joe What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat versus the World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Without further delay, let's meet today's correspondents. First, we got George. Eating five, baby. We don't play around. We got Anthony. Twelve more to go, y'all. Christian. On to the next one. Kevin. Got the Hawks up out of here. And last but not least, Orchard. Let's go, Heat Nation. All right. So we all hyped, and y'all already know why. Because to begin today's episode, we got to talk about Miami closing out the series as the Heat send the Hawks to Cancun, even without Jimmy Butler and even without Kyle Lowry, as the Heat won it by three, closing out their first series at home since 2016. Leading the way, you got Victor Oladipo with 23 points, three triples, three assists, and three steals. Bam Adebayo with 20 points, 11 rebounds, and four assists. Tyler Hero with 16 points and four assists. Max Drews with 15 points, three triples, and five rebounds. And Caleb Martin with 10 points and four rebounds. With Miami being officially away from the the first round and moving on to the next round, what's everyone's reactions to watching the Heat win the series in five? Start us off, George. I mean, there's no better way to do it than on your own home floor, and that's exactly what we did. We took care of business. We um we didn't even have to play Jimmy, who you know probably made up an injury that the fact that he had to sit down and so we could relax and watch it from the sidelines with Lowry. But uh, this was a dominant performance, start to finish. The only reason why we lost the middle game is because Lowry got injured. Um, it would have been heat and four, but heat and five is just a sweep. I like a good gentleman sweep. The um. All right, we had a lot of standouts as well. We had a lot of really, really solid play for a lot, lot of guys. Only, you know, two guys averaged more than 30 minutes a game the entire time, which is, you know, for us, we just run so deep. And I know, there's nothing more you can say than, than we are one of, if not the best contender for this for this ring, especially if Phoenix don't make it out of the first round. But we, we, no, we took our business. We played some of the best defense I, I think I've ever seen in any... Um, any what's called, any series that I've ever seen in my entire life. So um, big props to them, big props for, for Oladipo to make his appearance and, and, and put his stamp on, you know, on this game. And, um, and we've got a lot, a lot of better games ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Anthony? Well, the one specific thing I want to highlight about last game is something that we've seen every single game is this team's ability to flip a switch to me. That's the sign of a championship team. Now, you kind of would like to see them have it turned on 24-7, but human nature is to just kind of, you know, maybe play down to your opponent slightly. But when they're able to flip a switch, it's truly amazing. Last game, they ended the third or they ended the second quarter on a 17 to nothing run. In game four, they had the 24 to four run. Game three, they had a 21-0 run. Not, I mean, not every team can go on runs like that. Like, I don't want to understate how impressive that is to have nearly a 20 to nothing run in every single game. 
So to me, the ability to, the ability to flip a switch like that is the sign of a championship team. We saw that with the big three teams where they can kind of play lackadaisical for three quarters. But when it comes down to winning time, they flip a switch and can really turn the whole game around. That being said, they still have a very big issue closing games. And I hate to say it, if that was Jimmy in there last night instead of Oladipo, I'm not sure if they win that game because when the Hawks were on a giant run, the big basket we finally got was Oladipo driving and he kicked it down to Bam right in the dunker spot who was able to dunk it in. If that was Jimmy, it probably would have been a pretty terrible contested mid-range jump shot. And then, you know, the Hawks would have had, maybe they would have been down one instead of down three on that final possession. And it could have kind of changed things. So I still want to see them fix their late game execution and not get into some of these offensive spurts that they get in. But other than that, I'm really impressed with their ability to flip the switch. Right. And how about you, Christian? It was a great win, a little bit of a closer game. And I think that has to be partly because Jimmy and Lowry were both uh, on the bench for that game. But just in the series as a whole, Trey Young for the season averaged 28.4 points per game. In this series alone, he averaged 15.4 points per game. So Miami greatly reduced his point total almost by half. They were locking Trey up. Now, in this last game, DeAndre Hunter got 35, and that's expected because you kind of sacrifice giving other players opportunities when you guard someone that close and that hard. But just throughout the series, Miami was a defensive presence, and they made sure that Trey Young shot super ineffectively from the field and from the three-point line. It was a really pleasant surprise to see Victor Oladipo get some good minutes and score 23 points. There was one possession where it was kind of late in the shot clock. Oladipo had it in the left corner. He did some sort of like half spin step back three where I said, oh my God, if he misses this because Atlanta was getting really close, it's going to be bad. And he drained the three. So after all the layups, you could just tell it was a good night for Oladipo. And it was a great night sort of for him to get back in rhythm because we haven't really seen a great scoring output or even great minutes played by Oladipo since that Orlando game to end the season. So I just like seeing Oladipo hit the floor a little bit more, especially if Jimmy's not there for someone to pick up the scoring load. Bam had 20, so he contributed uh, a lot as well. And I just think going into this next series, hopefully what we're going to see is that Oladipo picks up a couple more minutes at the beginning of the series, even if the whole heat lineup is healthy. A good 15 minutes from Oladipo could definitely get you 10 to 15 points, and that could be the scoring difference that they need heading into this Eastern semis round. Mm -hmm. And what's on your mind, Kevin? Yeah, man, I just think at the end of the day, you know, the saying is said that, you know, defense wins championships, and that's the same thing with this Heat team. You're seeing, you know, different teams around the league with elite defenses, but I just thought, you know, last night was an overall show. Victor Oladipo made the most of his minutes. He was hooping. He was getting to the rack with ease. You know, like I've been saying that he just has that ability. Like, even though he doesn't have necessarily the same athletic gifts as he once did when he first came into the league, he's still super talented, and his defense did not take a step back at all. Even when he was in that, you know, short stint in Houston, his defense was still locked down. So it, I was glad to see him come in. Um, Max Struess was big. I, I love that form. I think that was probably his best. You can make the case that was probably his best game in this series. And overall, it was just a great team effort. So I, I enjoyed it. It was a fun series. Um, what we did to Trey Young was special. Um, I won't put all the blame on Trey Young because I just think he needs some more help. But that's another conversation for another day. But again, the Heat did what they were supposed to do. They handled business. It was an exciting first round. I can't wait to watch for the next one, whoever that is. Mm -hmm. How about you, Orchard? That was a great win. A little bit stressful at the end. I think uh, I think all of us were a little getting a little worried in that fourth quarter. It's a common problem for us, so I'm not surprised. And, you know, the other thing to keep in mind is that it's an elimination game. Atlanta is going to be playing their strongest to keep their season alive. So 
you know, I think it was a little expected of expected from them to go on a big run in the fourth quarter. But, you know, Victor Oladipo, he really stepped up today or yesterday, sorry, with 23 points. And I think the biggest highlight for me from that was what he said afterwards, which was his journey. He was talking about where he was last year and how it was one of his lowest points in his career. And, you know, I just think I, I love how how much he stepped up his game. And especially when we're missing our best player and, and Kyle Lowry, he definitely uh, came at the best time for us. Um, and, you know, I think everyone else in terms of like Bam and Hero, I mean, I know they can still do better. I think they should have done a little bit better, better, but they were still, they're still phenomenal, especially Bam. I, I liked his aggressiveness, a little more aggressive than he has been the entire series. Uh, I think my only main concerns was the rebounding. We got out-rebounded 42 to 33, and I feel like that was one factor going against us. But, you know, I think that's the that's where you need Jimmy. You know, he's an aggressive rebounder on both sides. So I'm not I'm not too worried there. I think we can – I think we'll be, do a better job rebounding once he comes back. And, and three-point shooting was a little bit off too, but that kind of canceled out because Atlanta also shot pretty poor from – three-point line so overall I am so happy that we advanced to the second round and yeah you're right you know and I've been talking about it throughout this series like the Miami Heat defense has been amazing and it's only poetic that the game ended with Miami clamping up Gallinari and then Miami stealing the ball once I think it was DeLon Wright who got the rebound I mean I, I believe that's how it was overall it was just such a great series to watch you know game three was a blur we don't talk about that it was just such a beautiful series to watch especially because of that defense you know one thing I'll know is that while he's chilling in Cancun one song that Trey Young is going to be listening to is locked up by Akon because the heat just clamped that man up for the whole series I mean correct me if I'm wrong but he only averaged like 15.4 points this whole series which and I get it that's it's only been his fourth playoff series ever but the fact that Miami was able to give him one of the worst um playoff matchups ever so far in his career like it's just such an amazing thing to see from this heat team and you can't wait to see what they're gonna do because the competition is only gonna get tougher we know that but if there's any team that's ready for it it's the heat and I know we all agree with that and you know next up I want to look back at this series as a whole because it feels like so much has happened in these five games when looking back at this series what do you guys view as the main highlights uh, you're up first, Anthony. Well, I mean, not to not to keep touching on this, but because pretty much everybody mentioned it. But again, for me, it's the defensive masterclass that this team put together. I have a couple interesting more stats on that. I don't know if y'all heard, but Trey Young actually had more turnovers than field goals this series, which is just unreal. And if you want a stat to throw in these Hawks fans' faces or these national media who watch nothing but the All-Star game, that's a beautiful stat that you can throw in there. He shot 18% from three on the series, minimum 35 attempts. That's the worst all-time tied with Westbrook and Lou Dort. Uh, the Hawks in the regular season, they had the first-place half-court offense, and during this series, they dropped all the way down to a rate that would have been 25th during the regular season. And just the most impressive thing for me is how often this Heat team played the full-court press. To me, that's my favorite thing in basketball. If you want to win a game, if you have heart, Get a bunch of guys in there, rotate them in and out, play full court press, make the other team uncomfortable. So I just want to shout out Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin and PJ Tucker for doing an incredible job of that all series, especially PJ Tucker. 
that that's unreal at his age and his position and his size. Obviously, he's not a, a huge dude height wise, but, you know, he's not super skinny either. So to be able to move his feet like that laterally is incredible. And that goes without saying, because he was he actually leads the playoffs in plus minus PJ Tucker with a plus 71. Obviously, he had a great offensive series as well. But the defensive is the main reason for that. So I just want to give him a lot of credit. Ray, how about you, Christian? I think I want to highlight just the historic performances in game one and game two of this series that really stood out to me. So game one, we had Duncan Robinson, 27 points, nine of 10 from the field, you know, and he had, I think like a 129.3 true shooting percentage, which was, I think the highest recording true shooting percentage like in a playoff game. So historically he had the best true shooting percentage. He shot super effectively from the field, nine of 10 from the field, eight of nine from three. And those 27 points helped uh, the heat cruise to a game one win. And then Jimmy Butler goes out and does something that only one NBA player has done before, and that's have a 45, 5, and 5 stat line with zero fouls and zero turnovers, which is insane in the playoffs. So Jimmy really popped out for the second game. Duncan didn't really have a great rest of the series, but seeing how these Heat players, you know, individually can have their own great games, you know, game three wasn't really a great game for anyone. Game four, of course, Jimmy has another great game again. If we're talking about, you know, the 36, 10, and 4, and then game five in the closeout game, then it's Oladipo's turn. So it's like the Miami Heat has a plethora of talent that they almost sort of take turns in the spotlight. You know, if someone is on that night, then they're just going to keep shooting and keep scoring. And the amount of options that they have. So just seeing plays like that and when players are able to step up is really enjoyable. And then, uh, Joel, you touched on it before, but the, the last possession of the series when Atlanta inbounded the ball to Gallinari and he kind of got trapped in the corner and then he passed the ball in, which got intercepted by Bam and stolen. That that was just a, the epitome of the defensive effort that Miami put forward this entire series. They were able to lock up Trey. They were able to kill the half-court offense. The stat that Anthony just brought up is ludicrous. The fact that they had number one half-court offense goes all the way down to 25 when they play five games against Miami. That just shows you the effect that Miami's defense had on these Atlanta Hawks and throughout the whole series. Even like regardless of whether or not Clint Capella was there, it wouldn't have helped the Hawks that much. So I just think that overall, it was a great series, kind of a great appetizer for the rest of the playoffs for Miami. And just it's going to show you how Miami progresses throughout the playoffs as a team. Right. And you, Kevin? Yeah, I think one of my standout performances, my favorite performances was definitely, you know, that game two where Jimmy just put the team on his back and just dominated from start to finish. And he was just still showing us that, like, he's still at a top level. You know, a lot of people love to doubt his game because he doesn't really go too hard in the regular season. But when it's playoff time, you know, aside from last year, but, you know, even every great player has had a bad playoff performance. And that was literally Jimmy's first one last year on a year where we had a short offseason and he had to carry us in the regular season just to even get to that point. So, I didn't, I wasn't too harsh on him, but Jimmy's always been that guy, man. Again, like postseason, he's a big time bucket getter. He's turned into a, a much better playmaker over the past few years, especially in Miami. And he just turned it up to a different level. And I hope to see that continue as we get further and further into the playoffs. And then again, last night with Victor Oladipo, man, like all the injuries he's sustained. Um, if most people that would go through those type of injuries, they would probably either retired or just gave up on basketball completely. You know what I'm saying? And went and pursued something else. And to see that Vic still has love for the game, to see him grind, come back, you know, have that support from his teammates, never, you know, pout. You know, it's probably some dark days for him, like he said, but he persevered. And that's what, you know, not just basketball is about, but life is about. And Victor Oladipo did that. 
and to put on that type of performance to close out a series and win a series. And I think I've seen a stat where this is like the first first round series that he's gotten out of. Shout out to Victor Oladipo, man. So that was super dope to see, too. So those are probably some of my favorite. And also shout out to P.J. Tucker, too, because, man, a lot of people thought he was cooked last year. You know, obviously he won a ring with Milwaukee, but people thought, you know, he was getting up in age. He wasn't the same. A lot of people say he was just a spot up, you know, corner three-point shooter. And Spo is completely, you know, revolutionized his game. And he just does pretty much everything that this team asks out of him. So I got to give a shout to those three specifically. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Orchard? What's some of the highlights you got in your mind? I feel like a lot of uh, pretty much everyone covered most of it. But, you know, one thing was the defense. Uh, just taking a look at besides Trey Young, of course, just the Atlanta team as a whole. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're averaging around 113 to 114 points per game in the regular season. So we held them to mo- most of the games. We held them under 100 points. That is extremely impressive. Not surprised, but also very impressed. Uh, of course, Jimmy Butler. I mean, he he's been doubted all year long after last year's performance against Milwaukee. And so, I, I mean, it, it it happens. You know, not everyone's going to perform really well in every single playoffs, and no one was willing to give him a chance. And I feel like he proved a lot of people wrong this year. And I've seen a lot of people say that they were wrong about Jimmy Butler. And I'm just happy that he's been able to be a little consistent, even in game three, when we lost, I mean, he still played pretty well. I mean, it's just, I think closing out the game was where he was really, you know, struggling a little bit. And that's obviously a common problem we have. Um, And then the next thing was proving, proving the media wrong. I can't, it's kind of sad to say that we had to prove the media wrong of one seed beating an eight seed, but it, it happened. A lot of people were saying that there was going to, Miami was going to pull an upset on, or sorry, Atlanta was going to pull an upset on Miami, but we won in five games and that was amazing. And I think the last thing that was the highlight of the series was translating what we've done in the regular season to the playoffs. We've, we've missed guys and sorry about that. Right. And while Orchard is um, getting himself gathered up, uh, for me personally, I think, and I know we'll go to you, George, after that. Um, but for me personally, I want to talk about Victor Oladipo real quick because the thing with Victor is that, because I really wanted to hit it once you brought it up, Kevin. I'm just so happy about him because when you look at everything he's been through, all the injuries and stuff, like, it's just so unfortunate. And one thing that made my heart drop when he had his press conference was he went out and he said that, you know, getting ready for that second operation, you know, he just broke down because, you know, and it's it's not fair when you think about it. The fact that the first injury happened and then that second injury happened and it was all because of a, what was it, a botched operation to see him go out there and have that 23 point game, you know, after being put in that starting lineup. You know, you couldn't ask for anything more. And I just hope that he continues to play like this because it's such an inspirational story and you just want to see it end on such a great note. And the way how I see it going is with him winning that championship. So I'm just so excited for Victor. I can't stress it enough. I've brought this up so much times in the past and I just can't wait to see what what happens so let's see orchard have you guys do you have yourself gathered up already or yeah i'm good i'm sorry about that but i was, the last thing i was talking about was translating what we've done in the regular season to playoffs and in particular the injuries i mean all season long we've missed our core players for a significant amount of time and i mean we did in the and the fact that we did in the playoffs too shows that 
it wasn't some fluke in the regular season that we were winning games without our main players. So that was the main thing for me. Right. And then, George, how about you? Yeah, no, th- there's so many highlights you can really put your finger on in this um in this first round. I think that Jimmy's massive incline from last season, he went from 14 and a half points to 30 and a half points a game. Um, you know, these playoffs, are, they mean something to him because of, of, you know, a really poor showing uh, from last year. He really needed to make his mark and bounce back and, and to show people that he's still, you know, that guy. So, you know, it, it's nothing but but greatness from him from here on out. He's going to, he's going to, you know, he's got that chip on his shoulder. He, he has a reason to play hard and he's going to keep doing so. But, you know, 45 points from him in that game was fantastic. Uh, Duncan's shooting at the start was incredible. Bam's defense, all, all season, um, you know, all serious round, but a real, you know, a real bright spot for us has just been the consistency that we can bring on a night-to-night basis from from guys like PJ, who's getting up there in age. Um, Caleb played quite well, you know, defensively, and 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 um, you know, he didn't have the best offensive series, but he really injects us with that energy to, to get those runs going. Gabe Vincent's defense on Trey Young was absolutely incredible. Was was some of the best defense I've seen from a bench player uh, ever. Really, let's let's be honest here. He he really knows that this is his time to to make his mark because you know the same way Victor Oladipo has walked in and, and stolen all of our hearts. It's going to have to be the same with with Gabe because Gabe has got no easy task in front of him if he wants to earn you know the the minutes he he wants to play because he's got so much talent in front of him. But he has to distinguish himself some sort of way. But I think he's really put himself in that um that defensive role where if, you know, if the game's on the line and, you know, there's no Lowry, uh, that, that Gabe is a more than viable option to put out in a, in a defensive lineup. So it's just nothing but, but happiness for, for us here, but um no, but just clamping, clamping the, the, the Hawks, the way we did, you know, every single, you know, one of the highest scoring, I think the second highest scoring team in the regular season, or the highest scoring team to, and just put them in shambles the entire time. So uh, it's nice to be on the other of the the other end of the uh of the drama this time, but you know we've got a long 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 road ahead of us and a lot you know harder opponents. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens from here on out. Right, and I love all the names that you guys brought up because it just shows how deep this team really is, you know. And one thing with the Heat is that everyone is going to be ready. And I can't help but bring this up in every episode because it's so tough, you know, if you're not playing a certain amount of time or if if you've sat out like a certain amount of games, you know, you're going to think that once the player hops in, they're not going to be ready for that moment. But that's not been the case for this Heat team, you know, especially with guys like Victor and like some of the other names you guys brought up. You know, like Victor, you know, he was put in that game four. And, you know, although he only had six points, he was a plus 28 the whole night. And then, you know, coming into this last game, he had he was the leading scorer for us. I mean, it's just so great to see this squad be ready for those type of moments and to be ready to take over. And that's why it's just so scary to see how deep this team really is. And you can't help but be excited to see, like, what's going to happen, how this depth will step up. Because I think everyone is going to have that moment where they're going to have that type of game. Because I forgot who, but I know someone mentioned it earlier. You know, everyone has had that type of moment in the series, whether if it's been 
someone like Duncan Robinson having those eight triples in game one, you know, Max Struess, who had a pretty good game, you know, in game five and same thing for Victor. You know, I feel like we're going to see those moments continue for some of our guys and you just can't help, but can't wait to see what's going to happen. So overall, it was just such a thrilling series, especially when you had all the clowns talking about, Oh, the Hawks can upset this and that. And even after getting the job done, you still have, some of these morons trying to debate the negativity, you know. Oh, was J- is Jimmy Butler, should, should he be viewed in a negative way just because he didn't play in the game five? Acting like this, like he wanted to sit it out. Acting like he wasn't playing against a soft Hawks team. Like we knew that the Heat were capable of winning that with or without him because we were that deep of a team, you know. It's not like we're playing against the Bucks or the Celtics or whoever, But, you know, overall, negativity aside, I'm just so happy for this team. What a thrilling series. And I can't wait to see what's ahead for the Heat. Anyways, now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about the Heat Muse stat of the series. Before we get into it, make sure to follow Heat Muse on Twitter for all Miami Heat stats. His handle is HeatMuse. Anyways, Trey Young ended the series with seven threes made. Jimmy Butler also ended the series with seven threes made, while P.J. Tucker ended the series with eight triples in total. To add on, Duncan Robinson had more threes in one game, in that game one. He had eight threes, which is more than what Trey had this whole series. So with all of this being said, what do you guys make of this stat? Uh, Give us your thoughts, Christian. I think this stat is kind of a testament to the defense that Miami played throughout the series. They weren't allowing Trey any easy threes, so they were certainly giving him, you know, the even deeper ones, but without even really being able to get into his rhythm, uh, he just wasn't effective from the field. So it's not surprising to me that there are Heat players that had just as many, if not more, threes than him. But I think that, you know, people have compared him too much to, like, uh, mini Steph Curry or the next coming of the great three-point shooter, where we've seen him have flashes of greatness, a couple of half-court shots, logo threes, deep threes in the regular season. But then when it comes to the postseason and the defense is getting played a little greater and the players care about the games a little more, he's not finding as much success. So I wouldn't even go so far as to say that he's the next you know, Steph Curry or that he's a, such an excellent three-point shooter because he hasn't proved it to us recently. Now, if Trey comes back, if the Hawks make it the next postseason and he shoots better clip from three, then we could talk about it. But as of right now, when the defense is in his face and it's adverse and the Heat are playing tough and physical, he is not having that much success. So I think that it's just, again, a testament to the Heat's defense. You know, the Heat played excellent defense on Trey the whole series. He didn't score more than 25 points in any of the games. And just Trey's inability to really be making those threes in those situations where he needs to, because there were plenty of moments where he could have made a three-point bucket and it would have greatly benefited the Hawks. I mean, give the game five elimination game. It was a three-point game. If Trey was able to hit one more three, that game would have been tied. It could have gone to OT. Or even if he hit a couple more shots, it could have been a completely different game. So in these playoff scenarios, when the intensity is turned up, and I know he fared well in the postseason last year, but when people are actually guarding him and making it tough on him, can he 
accomplish what he's done in the regular season? And so far, the answer is no. So I think it's an excellent stat by Heat Muse. And I think that we're going to have to keep an eye on Trey in the coming playoff series or even in the next season to see if the Miami Heat might have actually figured out how to defend him and limit his effectiveness from range. Mm -hmm. And then, Kevin, how about you? Like we've all been saying, man, it's just a testament to our defense, you know, picking up Trey Young full court. Um, also want to give some love to Gabe Vincent, too, because he did a great job. I think you can make a case that he was probably the best defender on Trey Young this series. And really, again, just picking him up full court, never letting him get any clean looks or rarely letting him get any clean looks and just making him feel uncomfortable at all times and pretty much just living with, you know, other Hawks players trying to kill us. And so they couldn't. And our defense was just that, man. So that's really all it comes down to. And like I said, you know, Jimmy, he starts to shoot the three ball a little bit more in the playoffs. You know, Duncan Robinson is Duncan Robinson. He probably should have had more threes made in the series, especially in game, you know, five, because he had a few open looks that he missed. But, um, you know, he's still that knockdown shooter. So this stat doesn't even really surprise. I mean, it kind of surprised me just because Trey Young is actually a really good player, but it's not too crazy to see, and especially the way that we did it. You know, we, flaw we, we flawlessly executed a defensive game plan, and good things happen usually when you do that. Right. And you, Orchard? Well, I mean, first of all, shout out to Jimmy Butler, because this guy, obviously, his three-point shooting has been off the entire season. And just to be able to flip the switch just like that and suddenly become an efficient three-point shooter is amazing. And, I mean, I, I think he, I mean, he's done it before where he's hit threes when it matters the most, especially um, in the 2020 playoffs. So, you know, he knows he knows when he needs to shoot threes. And I, I'm not surprised he hit as many threes as he did because he's that guy. Uh, in terms of Trey Young, you know, again, it's it's our defense. He, uh, Trey Young said this is the most he's been defended since high school. So, you know, it was a little bit of a surprise to him. And they just weren't the team and himself. They weren't able to figure out a solution to um, figure out how to get him better looks. And, you know, we our defense pushed him all the way to like the logo to shoot shots and it's not easy to shoot those type of shots unless you're Steph Curry, you know? And I, I think that's all I have to say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And George. Yeah. If we're going to go straight to the Trey Young thing, you got to be, um, be wary about how great the, the heat defense. We're all, we're all aware about how great the defense was from the heat, but it's actually a, a really damning thing to Trey Young and, um, and what he's accomplished so far, because while he has been one of the best, um, you know, one of the best players, in the regular season, he goes to the finals and he and so goes to the playoffs and he bombs out. And I'm talking hard bombs out. He averaged 21 from three, 35 from the field for 16 points. And that's, that's, look, there's a big difference between being shut out and guarded the way he was and, and just playing bad. But he, he treads the line to both because there were some possessions where he was shooting 17 seconds in the shot, like, you know, three or four seconds of the shot clock from 35 out and bricking every time he used to do it back and did it on back-to-back -back possessions. Now that's just, that's not just good defense. The fact that he said he, he thinks he can make that shot. He's really doing his team a disservice as well, because he's taking so many shots a game. And, you know, while the games weren't close, close, those, those games, you know, could have been a lot closer and a lot different stories. If he was shooting a little bit more effectively, making the right pass. And for a, a guy, you know, who passes the ball at, at one of the most elite levels in the league today, it's really it was surprising to see him play that badly. But if we're going to go to the other side of the coin, Jimmy, we, we all forget, you know, we all have short memories sometimes about the, the mantra of this man. He's not just, you know, he's not a, a regular season player. He really isn't. He takes, he takes long breaks for injuries. 
He, he takes games off. He even says, I don't need to score. I want my teammates to score. But once it hits playoff time, you see Jimmy in full effect. There's no and ifs or buts about it. He is one of the best playoff performers we have in the league today, you know, for this this year. Last year, is an, is, it wasn't um, an anomaly. Really, it was. You won't ever see him do that again. So I, I've, you know, I have full trust in him. I, I always believed he could be a half-decent three-point shooter as well. And I feel like after seeing what he's done, he can make the adjustment and to incorporate it more into his game to, um, to you know, to really hone in that this is something he needs to pick up to be, um, you know, to pick up to be a, a more complete player moving forward. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's a great performance by Jimmy, great performance by the team, and a really bad one from Trey Young. Right. And how about you, Anthony? Well, everything these guys have said has, of course, been 100% accurate. You want to give all the love to the defense. But I'm going to take a little bit of another route, and I actually want to talk about the Heat offense. Now, I'm pretty sure I'm alone on this, but I actually really love Hassan Whiteside. I'm, I'm a big fan of him still. I fell in love with him. when His first year here, he came out of nowhere. He was super exciting. And to this oh, day, okay. I still love him. But anyways, for that reason, I want to take his quote that he said, we have shooters. Now, I know he said that when he left the Heat. But he ended up obviously looking stupid because that year is the year we got Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. So I just want to give a credit to the depth that the Miami Heat have just basically at the scoring position, at the shooting position. I remember the days when if you needed a three, it was Wayne Ellington or Bust. But now you got guys like Tyler and Duncan and Struess. And that is so critical, especially in the playoffs where you can't afford to lose a game. It's so critical because if one guy is off that night, you have another guy that can step up. Obviously, Duncan had the big first game. Struess got off to a little bit of a rough start. And then as Duncan, you know, has been a little bit of a slump again, we've seen Struess pick things up. Last night, they every month, pretty much everyone was cold, but you still had Struess with a nice game from three, Depot with a nice game from three. So just having so many guys that can actually hit the three ball is critical. And the whole Jimmy Butler thing, that just adds another dimension. That if he's going to continue shooting like this or close to it. That being said, though, I, I still don't know if I like it. I felt like he went kind of overboard in that game three because he, he took five threes and all of them were in the fourth quarter. That's just, you know, he needs to do a little bit better job of that. But regardless, if he can give you close to what he's been giving now, the, the team's truly unstoppable and so dynamic and it's going to take them a long way. I agree. And for me personally, I specifically want to talk about Jimmy because, you know, like you guys said, he's been off with the three-point shooting throughout the season. So the fact that he's able to make his shots, specifically that dagger in game two where he had the 45-point masterpiece, it was just such a great thing to see. And overall, you know, it's not even just Jimmy. Like, we brought up PJ. And, you know, the thing with PJ was that I brought up in one of the pods earlier ago was that, you know, after the All-Star break, he kind of struggled with the three. So to see it come back, especially in that game three where he almost had that game-winning shot before Trey went and ruined it. Like I said, game three, we don't care about that. But, you know, to see him trying to make his shots, it's just such a great thing that you could see from him, especially come the playoffs. And, you know, Duncan Robinson, it goes to what we said earlier, how we're going to have players have really good games and step up for us. So that eight three-pointer game come game one, that was his type of moment. And hopefully we see more of that, you know. So 
overall, it just shows not only how much our players stepped up for this, but it also shows how great the defense was too. And I'm not going to keep talking about that because I feel like that's been one of the main things we've been praising throughout this episode. So, yeah. But um, anyways, overall, it's just such a great stat to see. And hopefully we see more of that moving forward. Anyways, um, all of that being said, um, what made the series such a thriller for Heat fans was the fact that we saw a lot of players step up in those hard moments for Miami. Before we officially look away from this first round series, like I want to ask you guys, who is the spotlight Heat player of the series for you guys? Uh, give us your pick, Kevin. Yeah, I'm going to go with Gay Vincent, man. I feel like Gay Vincent, you know, with Kyle Lowry getting hurt, him stepping into this position as a starting point guard for a championship contending team, you know, not really having any true playoff experience was huge for, you know, his game and his confidence. And he barely turned over the ball. Again, he was the main person guarding Trey Young at times, picking him up full court, you know, not fouling too much, you know, playing within the offense, not forcing things. Like, that's what veterans do. It's a lot of veterans that can't even do those simple things. And Gabe Vincent just stepped in, cool, calm, and collecting. Obviously, you know, they said, you know, Spo said himself, you know, we've been doing this for a good portion of the regular season, so we're used to this. But it's a big difference between the playoffs and the regular season. And for Gabe Vincent to just come in and not, you know, mess anything up, I was super excited and happy for him, man. Because, again, that's a dude I've been super critical of, you know, especially last year where it felt like every shot he put up was a brick. But he's come back this year. And, again, just like everybody else, he's grinded, putting the hours, and now – you know, he's reaping the fruits of his benefits. And I'm, I'm super ecstatic for him. And hopefully he continues his good play. Mm-hmm. And you, Orchard? Uh, I'm going to go with Jimmy Butler. It's like I was saying before, it's the fact that uh, last year he was really struggling against Milwaukee. And he was doubted a lot by the media, whether he could lead a team throughout throughout a, a series. I mean, it was a don't get me wrong. It was an eight seed that we played, but there was still doubt about whether Jimmy could do it or not. So to see him perform extremely well, have his playoff career high, it's 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 amazing to see. And he was pretty – I think the big thing for me was that he was consistent. It's not like he had a 45-point game and then he put up, you know, 12 points the next game. He was pretty consistent throughout the entire series. He averaged 30.5 points per game, which is, I believe, the number one spot. It could be wrong. It might have changed. But from the last time I checked, it was the highest uh, anyone's averaging in the playoffs. So – that's been the highlight for me. And, of course, you know, he's doing it on the defensive end. I think the highlight from the defensive part from him was the interception he had uh, when John Collins was trying to inbound the ball. So I just think that it's not just his offense that was amazing, his defense, his mentality, all of it. That that I, I just think that Jimmy was the best player in the series. And a lot of people were saying that Trey Young would be, and he proved all those guys wrong. I agree. You know, all those critics, all the media people, they look mad stupid. And you, George? Me personally, I'm going to go with PJ Tucker because for a guy that's so, I mean, I won't say old, but getting up there in age as well, to play as hard as he does for, for you know, the time that he's on the floor, he played 28 minutes a night, and to provide some of the best defensive coverage and energy, I've, I've never, ever... You know, wanted anything more from from a guy that that plays next to Bam. He's the perfect, perfect compliment man as well. Shoots the three really well. Really took a big step again because um, post All Star break he was really struggling with that corner three. But he's little, you know, little flip shots driving in the paint. But also, I'm going to put on, um, you know, I've got to say as well, he he's got the highest assist turnover ratio on our team. 
So he passes the ball well. He, while he only gets three assists a game, he does it so well. And he does it, you know, for the team. He's all for the team. And, and you know, he's the perfect player for Heat culture. He really is. Right. And that's the thing, because I know a lot of people are slandering the signing of PJ. So to see him come in and see Spo use him differently and to see him step up in ways we didn't think it was possible for him to step up, like you just love to see it. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do, you know, as we get deeper into this playoff run. And uh, let's see. How about you, Anthony? Joel, was that some subtle shade at me right there? The some people not wanting PJ Tucker? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, I, I thought, you know, I didn't obviously watch a ton of PJ Tucker before he came here, but I was definitely wrong about him. He's been awesome. Anyways, Jimmy Butler has been the best player in the series. We, those of us who actually watch basketball, all of like all of us knew that going into this series. Uh, but for my spotlight player, I actually want to give it to Julius Randle in the New York Knicks. They were so <laughs> terrible last year. <laughs> That this man, Trey Young, thought he was some kind of god on the basketball court. But no, no, no. You're not playing against Derrick Rose now. You're not playing against Emmanuel Quickly or R.J. Barrett. No, you're playing against a real defense. It ain't all sunshine and rainbows and shimmies and whatever when you're playing against a real defense. He, he's he really against, He ain't playing against Ben Simmons either. <laughs> well, nobody is. That man doesn't step on the court. But, <laughs> yeah. but this is what happens when you play a real defense. And again, I do like Trey Young, but he's got a long offseason and a lot of time ahead of him to think, you know, how he can improve himself as a player because the way he's at right now. And again, he's still super young. He's got plenty of time to grow, but that's not going to work when you play a real defense. And if he ever wants to be in, if he ever wants to be anything in this league, he really got to improve his game and not just rely on pulling 40 foot bombs every possession. I agree. And then let's see you, Christian. Man, how do I follow that up? <laughs> that was way outside the box. But I'm going to select Max Struess for my spotlight heat player. He's been consistent and averaging 14 points per game as a starter for Miami in these playoffs. Over the regular season, uh, he averaged 10.6 points per game. But I also like to look at uh, in the postseason last year, he only played two games, garbage time. He averaged three minutes, and he only took one shot. And in this postseason, he's draining threes left and right. He's averaging 14 points. And he's just been uh, a pretty prolific starter for the Miami Heat. You know, he's like the fourth or fifth option. But whenever his number gets called, he's ready to shoot. So he's been a great addition to Miami as a starter. And in this playoff run, he's just been valuable to them to hit the shots when they need him. Mm -hmm. For me personally, I'm going to say Jimmy Butler just because of this one stat, which honestly intrigued me so much. And it was the fact that even though Jimmy did not play game five, he still outscored Trey Young in this series by 45 points. Think about that, you guys. 45 points. Okay, you got Trey who played all five games. The guy who was supposed to be the best player in the series. He played all them games while Jimmy missed that one series clinching game. And Jimmy still outscored the bro by 45 points. Like, I want to hear it. Like, if you're in the media right now, the national media morons, if y'all for some reason choose to listen to this, y'all need to apologize to Jimmy Butler because the amount of slander you guys hit this guy with is insane. 
Oh, Trey Young is about to do this and that. Trey Young about to do that. He ain't gonna do anything because the Heat had him locked up. He was out here singing um locked up by Akon this whole series, and he was not having it with this Heat team. And Miami decimated him. They decimated that whole team. And Jimmy Butler, they like y'all need to stop. And if y'all ever refer to Jimmy Butler's performance as him playing in the bubble then you just need to stop calling yourself an expert because he's been that dude. We said this in the last part. He's been that guy. He is him. And we know he's capable of doing this. And this isn't just some bubble stuff because he's been that guy since day one. And if you don't believe that, then you're just a simple moron and you just simply got your spot for God knows what. I simply don't care at this point because at the end of the day, everyone who listens to this podcast, everyone who's here right now, we know what Jimmy Butler is capable of doing. And at this point, if you don't want to respect him, or at least just consider the fact that he's actually a good player and that he didn't need a bubble just to be the guy that he is, then you're just simply an idiot. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Anyways, I, now, now that we just addressed that, um, yeah, <laughs> before we end that segment, um, we also would like to hear the listeners, um, everyone's opinions about who the Spotlight Heat player of the series is. So if you're watching this on the Five Reasons Sports Network YouTube channel, go ahead and comment down below and tell us who your Spotlight Heat player of the series is and why. So now that we've addressed everything about the Heat's first round series, let's talk about the second round for Miami as they'll be facing either the Sixers or the Raptors. Now, although the Sixers had a three to nothing lead on Toronto, Doc Rivers continues to surprise NBA fans everywhere by coming up with new ways of choking. All facts aside, what is everyone's expectations for the Heat in the series against Philly or Toronto? Start us off, Orchard. Um, I think the biggest thing is that everyone's healthy, first of all. I'm really hoping. I, I think Jimmy will definitely be fine. But with Lowry, uh, I'm not sure what his status is yet. But, you know, I, I think the original report is that he would just be out for the first round. So just prayers to Lowry and hope he's uh, all healthy for the next round. But, you know, I think the biggest things is we've been talking about it throughout the entire series when we were talking about the negatives of the games. And obviously I'm about to translate them over here for my expectations. Uh, I think the one thing is turnovers. I think Philadelphia is actually pretty good with their turnovers, if I'm not wrong. And so they're definitely going to take – we definitely – we're going to have less opportunity to score off their turnovers. So we definitely can't repl- – we can't do what we did in Atlanta series and have a bunch of turnovers. That's something I really liked about game four. We had, I believe, one turnover in the first half, which was absolutely amazing. And I'm really hoping that we can translate that into the next series. Uh, closing out games, it's it's again, it's not a, it's not going to be Atlanta. It's going to be Philadelphia slash Toronto. Sorry about that. Um, and these both these teams are good, are the teams that can definitely come back and if we give them even a small opportunity to do so. And I I'm I'm a little afraid that we're still going to do that. So we just got to we just got to step up. Uh, in terms of our defense, keep up our defensive effort. Uh, I think our main target is probably going to be Joel Embiid if it's the Sixers or. Pascal Siakam, if it's the Raptors, they've all they've all got some really good shooters, some good young talent. So it's not going to be the situation where we just focused on Trey Young and we didn't have to worry as much about everyone else. I think both of these teams have some very good role players and starters. So it's definitely going to we're definitely going to have to you know keep the same defensive mentality uh, in terms of our offense. I, I think if we can keep up our three point shooting, um, besides the last game, that would be great. I I really liked I really liked our three point shooting. 
throughout the series. Uh, and besides that, you know, I, I think I think that's the main points. Just let's let's go Heat Nation. I I love it. And you, George? Yeah, regardless of who we verse, I really, really, I'm desperate to see a seven game series out of this um this matchup because the prospect of the 76ers blowing a 3-0 lead is something I've been dreaming about for a long, long time. If you know me, I can't stand the Sixers. Their fans are idiots. But I'm really, really looking forward to seeing Raptors push it to seven because they deserve it. And Joel is injured and he's playing through it. And Bam had to take seven weeks off from that injury. Um, so uh, he's not going to be the same. So I think that regardless of who we verse, Joel, we're going to verse a Joel Embiid injured 76ers team with the most overrated shooting guard in NBA history in James Harden on that team. Or we're going to verse a team in the Raptors who, you know, we've had really, really good games against, but, you know, it'd be, it'd be a nice narrative to get a Lowry to beat his old team to push us to this, the, the, you know, the conference finals. But regardless of who we verse, we're going to stay, we're going to be ready because we've got the best defense in the NBA, um, you know, no cap. We're, we're, regardless of who you throw at us, we're going to have, you know, in my opinion, the best odds to beat them. Yeah, we've got home 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 court advantage as well. A lot of stuff going our way. So, you know, I'm I'm just looking forward to watching the um the rest of the series play out. But if it does go to seven as well, it gives us a bigger advantage because it gives our players more time to get healthy. We saw um Larry going down with a hamstring. We don't know how long that's gonna be. Jimmy, I don't know how serious his his injury is, but I I, I doubt that he'll miss any time. Uh, but the, the other one as well is Caleb Martin because Caleb Martin hurt his wrist, went to the rock room, came back, pulled his hamstring and still played. So I don't know what that guy's deal is, but he needs to chill. He needs some time off and um, some, you know, much, much needed rehabilitation. But regardless of we reverse, we're going to, you know, we're going to win. I don't care. Love that confidence. And how about you, Anthony? Well, I'm kind of torn on who I want to play on one hand. Philly sucks, so it'd be heat in five. <clears throat> but on the other hand, Toronto winning means that Philly would have blown a three-nothing lead. And that would just be the funniest thing that I've probably ever seen in my entire life. And also, too, if we play the Raptors, their fans hate me. So they give me a ton of views on my YouTube channel. Y'all can find it if you search Anthony DiNardo. But they hate me over there. But I love it. I get great views. So I'll, I'll take all the hate I can get. Now, if you're asking me for a prediction on who we're going to play. I honestly, I, I honestly don't believe that there's any way the Philadelphia 76ers can blow a three to nothing. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I don't know if y'all hear that, but that's Doc Rivers and James Harden being the first team in NBA history to blow a three nothing lead. I'm going to play Peppa's louder than I've been playing it this entire week, which has been super loud because that'll been the funniest thing I've ever heard. I don't know if y'all heard Doc Rivers today, but he was already fired up the excuse machine. He had an excuse for every single loss that man has had in his entire career. It's pathetic. I can never imagine Eric Spolster doing something like that. He always takes accountability for his actions, and that's why I love him. I can't wait for the 76ers to blow the lead, and then the Heat are probably going to lose in six to the Raptors because Precious to Chua scares me. But we'll worry about that when we get there. Lord. First you said that, and then there was the fact that it sounded like you had a dying patient living in your house. I was low-key concerned. I was about to be like prayers oak. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's see. Anthony, you went up. Uh, Christian, how about you? Man, there are leaves. There's bubble gum. There's balloons. There's a lot of things Doc can blow, aside from my mind, on how many leads he can blow that would be more beneficial to the NBA. 
I can't believe how ineffective this man has been at closing out series. Being the only NBA coach to lose three three to one series leads in the NBA playoffs is something astounding. And I think that's a feat that even if another NBA coach tried, could probably not be accomplished in the near future. Aside from that, I do truly believe that Doc could blow this lead and we'll be playing Toronto in the second round. So it just seems likely to me that there are going to be a couple challenges with facing Toronto. They do have the COVID guidelines still. So uh, heat players would have to be tested in and out. And those um, tests could mean heat players get scratched from the lineup before games in Toronto. Aside from that, Toronto does have a pretty good lineup. They just got Scotty Barnes back. They're not looking like a terrible team. And also, if they're coming off of four straight wins against a Philadelphia team, regardless of how bad they're playing right now, that was a four seed in the East, then you have to understand that Toronto's coming in hot. So it is going to be interesting to see whether it's Toronto or Philly. I could see Miami handling both of them. But I think just for my peace of mind and my personal entertainment, I would love to watch Doc Rivers blow a 3-0 lead, especially after James Harden left the Nets for Philadelphia for a winning culture just to blow a 3-0 lead. So those are my thoughts, and go Heat. Right. And, like, just my thoughts on that real quick, and then we'll pass the mic to you, Kevin. Um, For me personally, I just want to play the Sixers because – the amount of disrespect that they've had towards Jimmy has been insane. Like, I just want to simply see Miami just show up and be like, yeah, like, we are that team, and we're going to be the ones to eliminate you guys. Like, y'all got James Harden. That's cute. That's not going to be good enough to stop us because, you know, the disrespect that came when Jimmy signed with us in 2019, like, I don't even think I got to remind you guys. People talking about he literally left the Sixers just to be a first-round exit at best. Like, y'all need to silence it real quick. And I've been waiting for the idea of Miami to play Philly in a playoff series. So to get the opportunity is great. But at the same time, it's kind of like the best of both worlds right now. Because even if Miami doesn't play Philly in the second round, at least we can sleep well at night knowing that they blew a 3 nothing lead. And that's just such a great feeling, considering the fact that you have the guy that I've been told by NBA Twitter clowns is better than Dwayne Wade. And then the fact that you got Doc Rivers there too. And like you said, Anthony, this is a guy that likes to throw every excuse in the book out there. So overall, it's just, you you can't go wrong with either series. I get why some people are a bit concerned with Toronto because they do have that height. And like, that's something that Jimmy has struggled with. But, you know, overall, Toronto is not one of those teams that the Heat should be concerned about. Give me Philly, give me Toronto, and I'm always going to take the Heat over either any of those teams. So that's just my thought. And how about you, Kevin? Yeah, personally, I don't have a preference on who we play because I think regardless of the matchup, we're going to be the favorites in it. And, you know, personally, I think I'd, I'd like to play Philly for you know most of the reasons that you guys have stated, but especially just because I think we're better um all around i don't really think they could compete with us i don't think they're serious i don't think they have any type of championship characteristics and i just think the raptors are definitely have championship characteristics they're a more pesky team well disciplined well coached um they don't have the greatest offense that's why i wouldn't mind playing them at all but to me i don't really care i think like i said i think we're going to the uh, the eastern conference finals regardless of who it is in the semis and that's just how i see it 
I agree. You know, he over anyone at this point because overall, I think we do have like the easiest path out of anyone to make it to the conference finals. I mean, we faced Atlanta and now we're facing either Toronto or Philly. Like you couldn't ask for it to be any better, you know, because, you know, you look on the other side of the bracket and you have the Bucks and Celtics, you know, that's most likely going to be the matchup because ain't no way the Bucks are blowing a 3-1 lead to the Bulls. But, like, that type of matchup, to see that happening in the second round is insane, and that's going to be a fun series to watch. But, you know, can't wait to see who the Heat play. And I just, like I said, Toronto, Philly, you name it, I'm going to be ready for that. And I know you guys will be ready for that series too. And I know the whole squad, you know, over there from Miami is going to be ready, and they're going to be ready to get back into that conference finals picture. But aside from all of that, we talked so much in today's episode that before we close it out, make sure to check out our Twitter and Instagram page at HBTW Podcast while checking out our website at HBTWpodcast.wordpress.com. That way you still have access to 24-7 Miami Heat content, even when we're not recording a new episode. Also, we hope you guys love today's episode because we'll be recording a new episode after every playoff win for the Heat, meaning that if God is willing, we'll have at least 12 more episodes to record before we officially close season two of Heat versus the World. And with all that being said, thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat versus the World podcast. And we'll see you guys soon with another episode. Hit my music because we out. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.